Today's reading is from the NIV version of chapter 1 Kings, verses 5 through 15. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father, David, because he was faithful to you in righteousness and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on a throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the, pe- the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours. The Lord was pleased with Solomon and had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long or wealth for yourself, long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice. I will do for you whatever you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me, and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Lord Covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a great feast for all his court. Thanks, Jerry. Good morning. Hey, if you're our guest today, checking out Cole, we're glad you're here. We are thrilled you came, and we'd love to get to know you. We encourage you to check at the welcome desk out in the foyer. Leave your personal information so we can give you a call, make a contact, and just get to know you some. We'd love to make that kind of contact with you. So Pete Scazzaro started a church in inner-city New York church was going great guns. It had only been going a couple of years, and he got a vision for starting a separate congregation in the building that would be Spanish-speaking. just seemed like there were a lot of people around that could benefit from this, and he found a couple that could come from Colombia that could run this service, and so he was all excited about it, and it sure seemed like God was putting everything together As he says, as far as I was concerned, there was no doubt that launching a Spanish-speaking service was God's will. 
We could reach people for Christ and expand our impact in the community. How could this not be God's will? Talked to his wife about it, and she wasn't quite so enthusiastic. He's trying to convince her it's the right thing to do, but she's beginning to question. But he said, the board's behind it. It's got to be God's will. His wife sighed. Pete, you're not ready. You haven't thought it through. But I know you're going to do it anyway. (laughs) And there isn't anything I can say to stop you. She was right. Well, they started the church, Spanish-speaking church. The couple came, but within a couple years they left. They got someone else to lead it. That couple came, split the church, ended up with three more splits along the way, and it took nine years before our things finally stabilized. As Pete talks about that experience, he realized, you know, it seemed like God's will, but I never really sought the Lord's mind on it. I never really asked, oh yeah, I asked God for wisdom and I asked God to bless it, but I never really asked if this is what God wanted me to do, and as we've heard, he never really listened to his wife either. He needed more wisdom, God's wisdom. And in fact, we all need more of God's wisdom all the time, don't we? We live in a world that's so complex. There are so many choices, so many options for our money, for our time, and it's so difficult to discern what the wise thing to do is, where to turn, how to spend our money, who to spend time with, what to say to your sulking teenager, how to resolve a battle with your spouse. Should I take a new job because this one's frustrating? Should I look for a new job? Should I retire now? Should I not? And it just goes on and on. This world is so complex. We desperately need wisdom to maneuver through this maze of life. Scripture reflects that. We need wisdom. The book of Proverbs, right, is all about wisdom, and it says, above all else, get wisdom. (laughs) Wisdom will guide you, protect you, change you, get you where you need to be. But as we think about that, what is wisdom? And how do we actually get it? Do we just say, give me wisdom and we go on, or like most of us do, or how do we actually get it? Well, in 1 Kings chapter 3, our passage today, God gives Solomon wisdom, and as we see in this chapter, I think we'll learn some amazing, surprising, but dynamic truths that can help us maneuver this incredible, weird maze we live in called life. Let's pray. Father, you are the maker and the giver of truth. Lord Jesus, you are the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And Holy Spirit, you are the one who can lead us into all truth. But We confess that this world's way too big for us, and we need your wisdom. You've got it. How do we get it? Help us understand that today, that we might learn to be truly wise people. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's the truth about wisdom? Well, I want to highlight three different areas. First, I want to ask, who gets wisdom? Who is it that can really get wisdom? I want to read the first four verses of chapter 3. Solomon formed a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were still sacrificing on the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. Now Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was a great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Who gets wisdom? Well, first of all, what we see here is the imperfect. (laughs) The imperfect people. As you read just this introductory little section, you see a lot about Solomon, and you see how imperfect he is. On the one hand, it says he loves Yahweh, and he walks in the ways of his father David. But in the same breath, The writer tells us that, oh, and by the way, he married Pharaoh's daughter, which was forbidden by the law to make alliances with Egypt. And he was sacrificing in the high places, which was also forbidden by the law. (laughs) So you got this guy that's just this mixture. He just doesn't have it all together. He's imperfect. He loves God, but very impurely. Solomon's a lot like us, isn't he? (laughs) I mean, we try to trust God, and we walk with him, and we blow it, and we fail to love well, and we give in to sin, and we have to repent, and we're just a mixture. But I don't know about you, but this is very encouraging to me because if we think that for me to have wisdom, I've got to get my act together, I've got to figure it all out, and I've got to have every, all my ducks in a row spiritually, and only then can I get wisdom, then we'd be in big trouble. Because I never can get my ducks in a row. I don't know about you. No, in fact, God gives wisdom to struggling, needy folks like you and me. Maybe because we're the ones who need it the most, (laughs) But that's who he gives his wisdom to. First, to the imperfect, like us. Secondly, he gives his wisdom to the inadequate, to the inadequate. Jerry read verses 6 through 9, but I want to just highlight verse 7. As Solomon has said, oh God, you've been so kind, your loving kindness has reached my father David, and now to me, and you've been so good to put me on the throne as his son. Now, verse 7, he says, Now, O Lord my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father David, yet I'm but a little child. And literally, I do not know how to go out or how to come in. Now, Solomon, at this point, is probably married. He's already got a son, Rehoboam, as far as we can tell, timing-wise. 
So he actually isn't a little child, a little boy, and yet that's how he views himself before God. I'm just a little kid, and I don't know how to go out or come in. I, I don't know when I should go out. You know, like you tell when you, your kids, okay, you can go out play for a little while, but in 10 minutes you've got to come in because we've got to get ready for dinner. And, and so the little child has to be told when to go out and when to come in. And Solomon's saying, I, I need to be told. I don't know what the right thing to do. I understand that I don't have what it takes to take this great nation of yours and rule it. I don't have the wisdom it takes to maneuver through life and do what's right. Sometimes we see wisdom as belonging to those who have, you know, they've studied the scriptures and they've got it all figured out. They understand the Bible so well so they really know the right thing to do all the time. Or the wisdom comes to those who have experienced, they've walked through life a long time, and because of all that experience, now they have wisdom to handle life. Well, those things give a measure of common sense. They can be helpful a little bit, but biblical wisdom does not come those ways. It doesn't come to those who have it all figured out. In fact, I've known plenty of pastors and theologians in my own experience and in my own life and just my observation who know the Bible a whole lot better than I do and yet make terrible choices. They don't live by wisdom at all. It's clear that just knowing the Scriptures well does not give you biblical wisdom, the ability to make wise choices in life. So why is that? Why doesn't understanding the Bible or a lot of experience give us wisdom? Well, you know, prideful people who think, I can depend on my own reasoning. I can figure it out. And so they apply their minds to life and they take pride in being able to figure it all out are depending on their own rational abilities rather than the Lord and are actually some of the most blind people in the world. If we depend too much on our own rational thinking, we don't have wisdom at all. In fact, we become fools. We're like this picture I want to show you now. It's an old Indian fable. You've seen it before, heard of it probably, most of you, but... Six blind men are trying to figure out what an elephant is. (laughs) And so they're all feeling different parts of the elephant, and one feels the leg, and he says, Oh, an elephant, I know what it is. It's like a tree. Another one feels the tail. Oh, I know what an elephant is. It's like a rope. One feels the side and says, Whoa, an elephant is like a wall. Another feels the tusk and says, Whoa, an elephant's like a spear. One feels the ear and says, Oh, an elephant's like a fan. Another one says, no, you're all wrong. He grabs the trunk and says, an elephant's like a snake. And let me ask you, are they right? Well, what they're experiencing, they're, you know, they're processing, but do any of them know what an elephant really is? Not a one. Not a one. 
And unless we have a sense in our own selves that my understanding, my thinking things through, no matter how much study I do, no matter how much I try to figure things out, no matter how much, how well I know the scriptures, my understanding is limited to my little place and I do not understand the big picture. Unless we have that attitude, like Solomon did. I'm just a kid and I, I, don't, I don't know what to do then we will not have biblical wisdom. See, only God sees the whole elephant. Only God sees the big picture. None of us can. And so wisdom only comes by plugging into him and hearing from him what the wise thing is to do because we can't figure it out on our own. Wisdom only comes to the inadequate not the prideful, not those who have it figured out. When I was in college, the head of the religious studies department was a brilliant man. I met him, got to know him a little bit. Knew the scriptures inside out, taught them, taught classes, and yet did not believe in the miracles in the Bible and did not have a saving personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Knowledge just doesn't get you where you need to be. Wisdom is something different than knowledge. You're probably familiar with Proverbs 3.5, but let me just read it to remind you. It says there, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and make sure you rely on your own understanding. Oh, Wait a minute, that's not what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And yet, in America today and in the Christian world, we're we're taught, okay, rely on your own understanding. You can figure it out. God's given us great minds. Yes, we are to apply our minds. We can figure out a lot. But if you want wisdom for living life, you have to have a humility that says, I Don't see the big picture. Only God does. Only he can see the beginning to the end and the consequences of our choices and whether this Spanish-speaking church is going to actually be a wise thing to do or not. Only God can see all of that, and therefore we need to somehow get wisdom from him. In fact, I would say the greatest barrier to experiencing or receiving God's wisdom is our own confidence in our ability to figure it out, our relying on our own understanding. You see, God gives wisdom to those who are and know they are imperfect and know they are limited in their understanding. They're inadequate. They do not have it together so that they will plead with God for the wisdom that they need. That's why James in chapter 1 verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. In the Greek, it doesn't come through in English that well, but it's a, it really has this sense of if any of you lacks wisdom, and you do, Let him ask of God. James's attitude is not, 
If any of you poor people who really don't understand life very well, you know, haven't got it figured out, need wisdom, well, <laughs> ask of God. No, it's all of us need to ask of God. We all lack wisdom. So we need to ask. How do we get wisdom? That's my next category. How do we get wisdom? Well, doing that, asking. James 1.5, ask of God. We only ask of God, really ask of God for wisdom if we understand that he has it, we don't. And therefore, I need him to give it to me. It must come through as a gift. He is the source of all wisdom. It doesn't come from me figuring it out. Colossians chapter 2. Along, uh, we could look at a lot of other passages, but Colossians chapter 2 describes in verse 2, says, Paul's writing, their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If all wisdom, all the treasures of wisdom are hidden in Christ, then the only way we can get them is by asking. He has to be willing to give it. It's not going to be us figuring it out. So that means we need to not depend on our own ability to figure it out, but again, ask of him, see it as a gift, and go to him and say, please, Lord, I need your wisdom. But it goes farther than that because I think we're pretty good at asking. We're pretty good at saying, Lord, I need your wisdom. Now I'm going to figure this out and make my best choice and go for it. I mean, don't we all do that? I do. But what I've learned from this passage is there's another step that we often miss. We not only ask, but we are to listen. We have to listen. If you want wisdom, you have to listen. We often look at this passage as that, wow, Solomon asked God for wisdom. You know what? He didn't. Solomon never asked God for wisdom. If you look at verse 9 really carefully, it says in my translation, so give your servant, Solomon says to God, an understanding heart. Your translation may say a discerning heart. It may say you know, understanding or even wisdom or something. But literally, what he asks for is a listening heart. Solomon says, please give your servant a listening heart. If you are the source of all wisdom, then I need to somehow have a heart that's able to listen to you so that I have your wisdom that I do not have in myself. He doesn't ask for wisdom. He asks for a listening heart. And I just think in America, as Christians, we're really bad at listening. We're just not good. We're really good at doing. But to take time to really hear from God and, and listen and tune in to him, we're not good at it. You see, God sees the whole elephant. He sees the whole picture. In fact, he sees time from beginning to the end. And he sees all of space. 
He sees everything. So he knows when we make a decision what the consequences are going to be way down the road. So we don't, right? We're blind. And so that's why we need to plug into him and say, Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your insight here. I need to listen to the right way to go. We're trapped in the trees. And we can see, oh, I see these trees, so I guess I should go this way. But God is like at the space station. He sees not only the forest, the individual trees, and the forest, and the continent, and everything, and the beginning to end. He sees it all, and so it only makes sense we should plug into him because he sees what we don't. And how do we do that? We need to listen. We need to hear from him to get true wisdom It doesn't mean things will go well necessarily if we hear from him his direction, where he wants to go as he speaks to us. It doesn't mean it's all going to go well, but it does mean God will be in it. It will be his will. He'll be guiding and leading for the sake of his kingdom. And if you think you don't need to really take time and effort to listen to God to make the right choice, realize Jesus had to. Over and over again, we see Jesus, before he made a big decision, he would spend time listening to God. Just one example, Luke chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. Luke chapter 6, it was at this time that he, Jesus, went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also named his apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, James, John, etc. Jesus prayed all night to get the wisdom of the Father on who needed to be his disciples, the very ones that would change the world. If Jesus had to do that, then I certainly think I need to. I need to listen. I need to plug in. I need to hear from God, his wisdom. So how do we do that? How do we practically listen for God's wisdom? Well, it does take being quiet with God. It takes coming to him and hearing from him. I think that takes regular discipline. You've got to develop the ability to do it. Uh, Up at the men's retreat this last week, the speaker, Marty Meyer, brought up a radio and he stuck it, you know, in front of us and he said, You know, God is speaking all the time. Just like all around us, there's radio waves, there's music stations and talk radio and all kinds of things that are around us. But do you hear any of those? No. Because you're not tuned in to those radio waves around us. God is speaking all the time. God longs to guide and speak and direct us and minister his love to us and, uh, and his wisdom to us all the time. But we've got to learn, and it takes learning, it takes tuning yourself to hear God speaking. That means slowing down, hearing from him, asking him to speak. We can learn to tune into God. For me, one of the best ways is through the scriptures. God gives wisdom, but it means learning to do that. My quiet time in the morning, you know, when I first came to Christ in my teens as I 
thought, oh, I was told you need to have a quiet time. You need to read the Bible and pray. So I would do it, check it off my list, and I'd feel better about myself because I did it. Right? You can all relate to that. And then I learned I live by grace. I don't have to get my worth from doing this discipline. So I relaxed a lot, but then I realized, man, but I'm missing out if, I, if I'm not hearing from God more. And so I became more disciplined again because I needed it. I needed to hear from God. But in recent years, it's transformed and morphed even more into just a lot of quiet time before God and reading the Word and saying, Lord, how are you speaking to me through this? What do you have for me in this? And taking time to just listen, and God tends to speak through that. But God can speak through the promptings of our hearts. God can speak in a variety of ways when we learn to tune in to him and listen to what he has for us. Lord, what do you have for me? But we also can listen to one another and others, and I think that can help us develop wisdom. I like in his little book on Proverbs, Timothy Keller says this, Fools, and this fits into all of this, fools are wise in their own eyes. Some take no advice at all. Other fools listen to only one kind of advice. For example, teenagers tend to be very averse to the advice of older people, but rely primarily on the counsel of their peers. How's that working? Not so good. Many of us listen only to people of our own race or class or political persuasion and not to others. You see, wisdom is to see things through as many other eyes as possible, through the word of God, first and foremost, and through the eyes of your friends, of people from other races, classes, political viewpoints, even the voices of your own critics. Wise women and men create a company of counselors around them, mentors and advisors and friends and people from whom they can get a quote-unquote second opinion. And I think that's good advice. It's good. It helps. But ultimately, if you want to be wise, it's got to come from him. Listening to him. Being a good listener to others and being a good listener to him. And the word that he uses here is the word shema, to listen. It's shema from the shema in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. And the word often is translated obey. So when you hear from God, it means you also do. You see, the Hebrew mindset is if, if God speaks, you do it. And so we listen, but we don't just listen for understanding. We listen to know what to do, how to go out, as Solomon says, how to come in, how to do what he's called us to do. So we gain wisdom by asking, by listening, but also by worshiping. By worshiping. I'm struck by verse 15. As Solomon awoke, it says, And behold, it was a dream, and he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered burnt offerings and made peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. Very interesting to me that Solomon did a bunch of sacrifices earlier, but where? 
at Gibeon at the high places, which was forbidden by God. Where is he worshiping now? Before the ark of God in Jerusalem, God's chosen place. And he is worshiping and he's doing sacrifices and he's throwing a huge party for all his servants. <laughs> Let's celebrate God together. Look at this amazing God we have. Let's celebrate him together in community. You see, I think as we worship God, as we spend time with him, focusing on who he is, gazing at his wonder, Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. As you learn to fear and delight in him and worship him in community and on your own, making it a part of your life where you're thanking him and seeing him for who he is and all his glory and all his goodness and all his love and all his compassion. He's slow to anger. He's merciful. He's forgiving. He's kind. He's holy. And you begin to see God in all his fullness. Then wisdom results because you're seeing reality for what it really is. And you grow and grow in wisdom. I have two different kinds of contacts in. I, I have what's called monovision. One for reading and one for distance. And it works pretty well for me unless the one, my reading one gets blurry or clouded and I only have one eye and I'm trying to teach and I can't see my notes. That's happened up here before. But I think that's a picture of a, of a of what God wants for every one of us. That we have an eye on what's close by, that we keep an eye on what's happening in our world around us, and we're, and we're paying attention there. But we also have an eye on him. That we see who he is, and our lives are wrapped up in worshiping him and seeing him in all his greatness and his goodness, and we keep that in perspective as we look at what's around us. And as we do that, we gain wisdom, it will come. So how do we get wisdom? By asking, by listening, by worshiping. But what's it for? I mean, really, why, why does God give wisdom? He promises it. He says, ask for it. If you need it, if you lack for it, ask for it. But why does God give wisdom? This was one of the most surprising parts of this passage for me. Notice verse 9 again as... Solomon asks, give your servant a listening heart to judge. That's the Hebrew word shofet. That means to act justly with your people, to discern between good and evil, for who is able to shofet, to act justly with this great people of yours? In verse 10, it was pleasing in the sight of God. And God answers, because you've asked this thing, not Ask for yourself long life or ask riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you ask for yourself discernment to hear, literally, to hear justice. Justice. What is wisdom for? That we might live justly. That we might bring justice to others. I think, again, we get confused because Lord, I need your wisdom so I can make the right choice about how I handle my money or I can do this so my life will work better. Give me wisdom, Lord, and, and becomes very selfish. 
It's about my life being better. But what God is so thrilled about was Solomon. He said, wow, I'm so thrilled at what you asked for because what he asked for was, I need a listening heart so that I can listen to justice, know how to live out justice, so I can live in a way that brings justice to others, that makes their lives better. It's not about me. It's about using the wisdom I've been given so I can be a blessing to others, so I can act in the best interests of others, which raises the question, what is Shofate. What is justice? Well, it's talked about all through Scripture. It's one of the most common words in the Old Testament. It, it has to do with how you speak to people. Do you bring encouragement and life to them? That's part of justice. It's how you think about one another. If you think justly in line with God's kingdom and his character, you are bringing justice even in how you think about other people. But of course, it has a lot to do with how we act towards others. Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O man, what is good, but to act justly, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So how we treat one another should be a way of seeking to bring justice into their lives. I like the way it's put in Psalm 72. First few verses, where it says this. First four verses. Give the king your judgments, same word, show fate, justice, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. May he act justly with your people, with righteousness, and may he act towards your afflicted with justice. Let the mountains bring peace to the people and the hills in righteousness. May he vindicate the afflicted of the people, save the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. Notice the connection between the afflicted, the hurting, the oppressed, and justice. Justice has to do with helping those who are less fortunate, who are afflicted, who need help. We need one another. So justice is given Wisdom is given so that we might act justly and especially to those who are hurting, who need it, who need the most help. This chapter ends with a marvelous story, and I wish we had time to read it all. I encourage you to go back and read it, but you may be familiar with it, where two prostitutes are brought before Solomon, and they each had had a baby, but one of the babies had died in the night, and one of the women was saying, she took my baby. She traded after her baby died, suffocated in the night, and she took my baby and left me the dead one and the other one saying, no, that's not true. This is my baby. And it was a very difficult situation. And so Solomon, in his wisdom, says, cut the baby in half. And of course, the real mother was saying, no, please don't give her the baby. I just want my baby to be okay. And the other one says, yeah, cut him in half. At least she won't get the baby that way. And Solomon, his wisdom, knew, of course, from that. He brought justice to that situation for both women. The one who had lied brought just, had justice brought to her. 
The one whose baby it was received her baby back. You see, part of living out justice is, is helping people get in line with God's character in his life. And wisdom is for us to help others be all that God created them to be. Brothers and sisters, we all need wisdom. Every one of us. And God wants to give it. Really, his, he's speaking all the time all around us, but we just need to learn to tune in, to listen, to take time, to ask, to listen, develop a listening heart to hear what's the right, the just response for the sake of others and for the sake of God's kingdom. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24 says this. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, nor let the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things. May we be people who live out what Jesus delights in. Loving kindness, justice, mercy, forgiveness, the gospel, that he might be glorified. Let's pray. Lord, what an amazing passage this is. That you want to give us wisdom and we desperately need it. Thank you that you offer it to us if we will come and ask and learn to listen. And Lord, may you do a work in us that we might develop listening ears. May we not just say, give me wisdom and then do our own thing, but may we learn to be in line with the incredible wisdom that you offer us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.